brand new week of Cycle Talk SA. Thank you for downloading and listening to this weekly podcast on cycling uh, from a South African point of view. My name is Brad Brown. It's brilliant to have you on board. Coming up in this week's show, I was lucky enough to catch up with Joel Stransky, uh, the hero of the 1995 Rugby World Cup, who has become an absolute machine on a bicycle. Chatted to him a little bit about uh, his exploits and, and how he goes about things and what he's doing. Uh, also caught up with Andres Lodder, who is a biokineticist, and we chatted uh, biokinetics from a cyclist perspective. And then I also touched base with uh, South African cycling legend Nick White, uh, who put together a bit of a bike review for us this week. And we're chatting about an offering from Track. It's an amazing bike. If you want to find out more about it, it's all coming up on this week's episode of Cycle Talk SA. Don't forget, if you'd like to be in touch, you can. You can follow us on Twitter at Cycle Talk SA. You can like us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash Cycle Talk SA. Or you could pop me an email, podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. It's as easy as that. Let's get straight into this week's show. Well, it's uh, awesome to have on Cycle Talk SA this week, Joel Stransky, who is an absolute legend in South African sporting circles. And uh, sort of don't need to give any background as to, to what he does. He's, he's obviously now a, a super sport presenter as well, uh, covers a lot of rugby, super rugby action. And this weekend we'll be covering the Southern Kings MTN uh, Lions uh, playoff relegation clash. Joel Stransky, welcome onto the show. Thanks for chatting to us today. Brad, I think it's a pleasure. I must just go with you Everything you, as far as I'm aware, to be a legend, you have to be dead. <laughs> You're a living legend. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Joel, you, you've done some amazing things on, on bicycles over the last few years. How long have you actually been cycling? Well, I got injured playing rugby in 1999 and had my first little sojourn into cycling and cycled for about two years while the bones in my knee hardened up again. And uh, then I packed it in. And about four and a half years ago, almost five years ago, I was challenged by Lana May, I believe it or not, to do the Epsa Cape Epic for charity. And I said, okay, that's me. Come in. And then I said, what's the Epsa Cape Epic? Once I'd committed, <laughs> and she said, it's, it's really tough mountain bike race. But I was in. And, uh, and so, you know, that was really when the journey started and the bug. And I mean, you've gone and done, you, you did that epic and you've gone and done multiple epics now as well. Uh, you, you do tons of stuff on the mountain bike, but you do tons of stuff on the road bike as well. I mean, the last couple of years I've run, uh, I've run, I've, I've rode a, a double 94.7, uh, pretty much in, in the group that you guys start with in the morning. And, and I have to say, I mean, you're a blimmin' machine on a bicycle. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. You know, I've, I think it's taken a few years to build up that fitness, but you're right. I mean, I've, it is definitely, it's my drug. That's how I describe it. I'm absolutely addicted to endurance sports and, and the cycling has progressed to a little bit of running and swimming and Ironman and half Ironman. And uh, so, so it's just a little bit more than the, the, the cycling. But, you know, we, we that first year I did the epic at um, the Bud Bridge and we, I raised a lot of money for charity. And I said, well, this is a, you know, it's a great medium for raising more money. And we set up in charity and the, the 94.7, we do that double. That Chris Froome has sat on the front for us the last three years. So, um, you know, it's nice to be a little part of his success story as well. But, you know, we have a lot of fun. We ride hard. We 
raise some money and uh, we stay healthy. It's a, it's a good lifestyle. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Chris Froome because, I mean, my, my cycling, I've only ever done two sub 394.7s. Both of them were stood, sitting in the back of the group that Chris was on the front of. So I can say that Chris has helped me get to sub 394.7s. <laughs> yeah, well, you were sitting at the back, so it was me helping you, not Chris. <laughs> you were pushing. <laughs> I was on his wheel. You were pushing from behind, Joel. You seem to forget. <laughs> Joel, tell me, I mean, you talk about you getting injured playing rugby and then and then made the switch to cycling. I've seen a lot of guys are, are doing that. A guy like Victor Matfield's basically on a, on a bike now as well. Are a lot of the guys that are playing today riding? Or are they waiting for their career to finish and then and then going on? Or are a lot of them using it as a sort of supplement to their fitness? I think there's no doubt that some of the players and some of the teams, some of the the coaching strategy around strength and fitness, there are there are teams that are using. An element of cycling for an, uh, you know to to create an element of fitness without the impounding or the the contact and the the real pounding on the legs. So there's definitely a little bit of that. So, so maybe a bit of cross training, but I think you'll find that most of the rugby players who are riding are doing short sessions on the watt park, real anaerobic stuff, um, real strength work. I think when the guys stop playing, they find that um, you know you need physical exercise is such an intrinsic part of your life that when you stop playing you need to find something to replace the rugby hours and the rugby time and that's why I think the likes of Victor Matfield and Stepan to Blanche now and I think even John Smith has started cycling and the guys take it up and it, and it is a bug it's a, it's a healthy bug it, it replaces the rugby side gets the endorphins going and you know what they say, a healthy body is a healthy mind. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny you say, you, you talk about being active and they, they need to replace it with something. I mean, if I look at look at my own sort of thing, I was fairly active at school at Varsity, played, played quite a bit of rugby, never at sort of top level, but then obviously got busy with work and, and stopped exercising and put on weight. And, and w- would you say for a lot of guys, it's also just to keep weight off? Because I mean, when you, you're at the top of your game, whatever sport it is, and you're training hard, you can pretty much eat what you want, but as soon as you stop doing that, you, you just balloon. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I mean, one, one is the physical addiction, and the other one is, the, I suppose, the striving to remain healthy and, and keep pride in your body and your shape. And I think um, you'll find there's probably one or two guys out there that when they stop being rugby, I'd imagine the perfect example would be a guy like John Smith, who put on a fair bit of weight to play prop. Didn't really work. Went back to hooker. Didn't manage to lose much of that weight. And you'll find now that he will, um, his body will evolve completely if he if he gets into the cycling. Victor's lost a lot of weight, and I think there's um, you know, there's a bit of pride that that picks in there as well for the guys. Maybe a bit of ego as well. <laughs> so everyone wants to stay healthy and everyone wants to look good. Yeah, and, and Joel, from the competitive side of it, I mean, obviously, if you've played sport at, at a top level, you, you've definitely got some competitiveness in you. Do you find yeah. that, that you've carried that from your rugby career into your cycling, that you, you just... Very much so. Very, very much so, you know, and, and I think you just can't help it. I, I went for a, a swim at, at lunchtime, a quick 45-minute training swim with my one of my business partners, and it, in, 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 it was like it was a race. You know, even then, the competitive nature was, was, was there. Every time there was like a, a, you know, one of the short sprints, it was undoubtedly, whether we would admit to it or not, it was a race. Um, and, and I think that competitive nature, whatever, you get on the bike and it's the same. You want to be the best you can possibly be. You want to be as fit as you can possibly be. And, uh, and, and you know, that, that's something that never goes away. I mean, I, I sort of have these dreams and visions of, of winning the age category races still, which is never going to happen, but it's still nice to dream it. 
Yeah, I, I love that. That's fantastic. And then, Joel, just, I mean, looking back at your, your rugby career, do you, do you sort of regret that you're not playing in today's age where it's a lot more professional than, than what it was when, when you were playing? There's obviously a lot more money in the game today than, than, than when you, you were sort of in action. Well, I think there's, um, there's certainly an element of, of more money. But um, you, know, you also look at it, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a smaller, you know. I mean, with the peak of my rugby career when I'd been doing weights for four or five years, I weighed about 86, 87 kilograms. And I've, I'm now down to 82. And you look at the lightest guys that are playing now, they sort of, the average light, average fly-off now weighs 94 kilograms, you know. So you sort of look at it and you think, you know, would... Would would the body want that physical pounding as a smaller guy? And you know the game has changed a bit. It's become very much a, a, a game of power and strength. Um, I do miss it. Uh, you know, I'd like to think I'd have still been a good player in this year. Um, but you know, I'm quite happy to be on the back right now, actually, <laughs> or on the sidelines watching and commentating on a game. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, really sure. nice to have some of the cash that guys are earning, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then, Joel, with regards to moving forwards, uh, you mentioned you were in the pool, and well, what's the what's on the cards for, for you ride-wise or, or goal-wise athletically? What are you what are you looking on? What are you yeah, aiming towards? Well, well there's a fair bit. I've, um, I've this, afternoon, this afternoon, a friend of mine found and said she couldn't get into the 70.3 in East London. So I quickly entered and I got in. So, so 70.3... And then full Ironman definitely next year. And then I think there's a half Ironman at Midmar, which I'll be in December. Um, and then on the back, September is, um, August is training month. September is very much mountain bike month. We start, uh, I'm going to do the inaugural PE to PET, which should be great fun. Uh, we've got a, an APSA Cape Epic training camp in, in September. And we've, we're going to do the ride, the ride the Rhino and support, uh, you know, the cause of the, the rhino at the moment, and that's towards the end, sponsored by Resolution Health as a sponsor. So September's a nice big month. And then, of course, we've got the double. We, we're still hoping that Chris will come out and join us and sit on the front and uh, support Lima Hawk, our, our charity. But I think we might be a bit hopeful on that cause. But lots to come still. Yeah, his, his life has changed unbelievably after the last few weeks, hasn't it? Well, I think it started changing when he came second last year. But um, I think now he's a he's a rock star. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. He's a rock star now, and I know he'll be out in the country at some point because his roots are still there and he's got a house there in Park Town. But um, whether he'll be out in in November and around the double the, the 94.7, I'm not sure. Okay, and then f- f- with with talking that that double 94.7, uh, can can sort of anybody get involved with you guys if they they want to sort of add their weight to your cause? Well, they could have, but uh, we're full, and, and uh, we only allowed a certain number of entries, um, and that's as per the organisers, and uh, so, so we're, we're pretty much full up already. We've got our quota, unfortunately. Okay, and in the years to come, um, I mean, how can, how can folks find out about it if they want to get involved maybe the year after next? Yeah, I think you, can, um, you know, we're busy building the website, so um, it, it's, uh, the name of our charity is the Luma Hawk Foundation, and, and Luma Hawk came from Luminous Mexican. Which was uh, what I always wear on my helmet when I do the Absicate Epic, um, and, and I suppose in, in, in the next few months, if you if you search on the internet, you'll find it. And we do have a Facebook page, but it's not very active. We we'll have the website up and running in the next month or two. Okay, cool, Joel. What I, what I'll do is I'll I'll keep in touch with you as soon as it's up. I'll post the details on our side so so folks can go Fantastic. go check it out. Fantastic, brilliant, Super. Joel. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Are you hectically busy at the moment? And I really do appreciate it. Anyway, it's pleasure, Brad. Nice chatting, and uh, we'll see you on the road. Safe yeah, riding. Absolutely. You too, mate.
Really tough to have uh, a guy that I've got massive respect for from a cycling perspective. He's been around for a long, long time. And whenever I want to find out something about a bicycle, he is the first person I go to. Nick White, welcome on to Cycle Talk SA. Thanks for your time today. Nick, I wanted to, to touch base with you. You obviously work at Cycle Lab. And I, I wanted to sort of just get a, a bit of a bike review from you. So so just to touch base, and, and you guys see tons of bicycles come through your door and, and, and onto the floor of, of Cycle Lab sort of every every month and and i wanted to know what excites you at the moment like is there a bicycle that you guys are stocking right now that you go you know what it's it's good value it's a great bike and and it's it's definitely a good ride i'm uh, glad yes thanks for having me i've uh, got something that we'd like to discuss obviously uh you know we see all sorts of bikes come through our store and uh, one thing that's catching my eye at the moment is uh trek has got a road bike um in their four series it's uh, called the madone the model 4.5 and uh you know, it's actually, uh, I think, a fantastic bike from a carbon frame perspective. Also, you know, people wanting to start and not wanting to spend too much money on the bike, but uh, get pretty good quality and a good ride at that. And, you know, Madonna has been uh, one of the models that have uh, been around for a long time and a really comfortable model. And, uh, you know, the 4 Series, it's, uh, its price point is not too expensive, but, you know, you get good quality out of that, a really good ride mixture of uh, Shimano, Altegra and 105 componentry, which is, uh, you know, really quite a nice level, especially, uh, you know, if someone's going to start and looking to get a good bike. Okay, Nick, you, you, you mentioned, and we will get onto the componentry in a sec, but you mentioned carbon. Is it full carbon? It is full carbon. So, uh, obviously, uh, in Trex range, they do uh, various different carbons, and uh, this they call their four-series carbon. So, it's an OCLV carbon, obviously, developed in the United States, and, you know, these days, most carbon bikes may be made in in the east, but uh, probably the best factories and the best technology is there at the moment. But uh, everything designed via the US and, um, you know, really a comfortable type of ride. A carbon frame is uh, a lot more comfortable in terms of ride vibration, road vibration. It soaks up a lot of the, of the vibration you're going to experience riding on our roads, which are not super smooth in uh, Johannesburg or New York, I think, in the country. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, you talk about super smooth and, and a great ride, but it's also generally a lot lighter than, than other compounds you can get frames in, right? It is, and uh, not in all cases. Obviously, uh, you get different grades of carbon from, you know, the top-end carbon, which which can be really expensive, really stiff, and and really light. And uh, further down the line, perhaps they use a little bit more um, adhesive to glue all the carbon fiber together, and you know, it doesn't result in a super lightweight. But, you know, the, the comfort factor and the absorbing of the vibration, you know, that is also a bigger factor. So... You know, the bike is not always about weight, but, you know, generally the, the carbon frames have proven to be to be lighter than the, the bikes of the past. Okay, and then you mentioned the componentry, Shimano 105. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, obviously Shimano, the Japanese manufacturer, and pretty solid components. And, uh, you know, what comes on this bike, you've got a mixture of uh, two of the varieties of the group sets. And, um, you know, you've got the gearing mechanism and the braking, and that is uh, from the Altegra stable, which is their sort of second from the top range, and then a little bit to keep the price not too expensive. They've mixed it up with some of the uh, you know less essential mechanical pieces, which uh, they've sort of got leveled down, but uh, still a nice mix and results in quite a nice price as well. Right, and then talking of price, what, what are you looking at for, for that bike? At the moment, they've uh, brought it down a little bit. Um, obviously, the market is... Uh, you know, it's always a tricky time uh, in through winter, and uh, the price at the moment we're looking at about twenty-one triple nine for that bike. 
Trek, uh, one of the, the brands which does offer a lifetime warranty on their phones and that. So a little bit of peace of mind there from uh, you know buying through to one of the top brands in the world. <laughs> and and the, the question my wife would ask, Nick, what colour is it? <laughs> it comes in, uh, it actually comes in in two colours. We actually stock the uh, the black and white colour with uh, some, some colours similar to the Radio Shack Leopard um, Trek that you've seen in the Tour de France. So a little bit of that turquoise and a little bit of red, but really subtle, otherwise predominantly uh, black and white and a bit of a matte colour. It also does come in a red and white with a, uh, with a, a gloss finish. So there are some options there. Is the red one faster than the black one? Mm, depends. <laughs> it's only faster downhill. <laughs> it's only faster downhill if I'm on it, Nick. <laughs> yeah. And then just, just as far as wheels go, what, what wheels has it got in it? Well, Trek, they generally use an in-house brand that's been developed and uh, linked very closely with them, uh, Bontrager, and they use a, a race-like wheel that's on there and takes us to race. So a pretty solid wheel, obviously not your traditional sort of 32-spoke uh, type uh, wheel, but, um, yeah, a nice solid wheel, not too heavy, not too light, but, uh, yeah, really quite a nice, um, good-looking set of wheels that come on that bike. All right, cool. the other accessories, they also use their Bontrager components, handlebars, stem, and seat, seat posts. So it's all a, a sort of in-house track brand. Okay, cool. Nick, thanks so much for, for chatting. So it sounds amazing. It sounds like a, a very, very cool piece of equipment. And if somebody's looking for a bike, I'll definitely uh, sort of recommend that they come down to you at Cycle Lab. Okay, thanks very much, Brett. One thing we try and do here on Cycle Talk SA is get a whole bunch of medical professionals on just to sort of give their take when it comes to cycling, what you should do, what you shouldn't do if you are battling with an injury, uh, sort of what the sort of processes are. And really chuffed to have Andres Lotta on the show with us today. Uh, he's a biokineticist at bio for me which is uh, in the design quarter. And Andres, thanks a lot for your time today. I really appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure, man. I'd love to be on the show and it's great to be on it. Andres, just to, to, to sort of touch on it from a, a basics perspective, from your, your sort of where you're coming from, from a, a bio sort of uh, viewpoint, what's some of the basic mistakes you see people doing when they first get into cycling? Um, when it comes to like the recreational cyclist, um, you know, it's easy for us to just go buy a bike. So the first thing they do is they just jump on a bike without doing specific setups or any checks, and they just go and cycle. So... It's a negative thing. They get on it, they come back, and they sit with like neck injuries or stiff neck or low back pain or even like a more prolonged like a chronic injury. They go into like knees or ankle injuries, sometimes even shoulder. It's so it's so funny you say that because I know when I first started, it was it was you almost kind of think that's par for the course that you get off the bike and you should be sore. But a lot of that stuff can be avoided uh, if if you get set up properly and 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 also a lot of it's got to do with strengthening. I mean with regards to sort of working on your core and, and that sort of thing, that makes a massive difference as well, doesn't it? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Um, you know, it's fine when you get off the bike and you, your thighs, like your quads and your hamstrings uh, are stiff or painful. You know, that that's perfect. That's what I always tell all my patients. I say, if you get off a bike and your muscles are sore, that's perfect. If you get off a bike and your joints are sore, that's a different type of pain, and then you definitely need to come and get it checked out. And you mentioned also core stability. You know, core stability is a lot of people like neglect it. They just brush it aside and they say, okay, it's more for girls. You know, they have to go and do Pilates and stuff. But you know, what separates the the top oaks from most most athletes or most cyclists out there is, is their core strength. You know, it's that there's a reason they call it your powerhouse. 
and everything comes from there. It's like a kinetic chain between your upper body and lower body. You know, if you want to perform optimally, uh, you have to condition your body optimally. So it's very important. Okay, and, and I mean, just sticking to that core, you're right, and it's, it's, it's such a guy thing where they, <laughs> I'm not doing it because it's, it's for <laughs> girls. But like from, from yeah. a guy's perspective, I, I mean, I ride quite a bit, but I've never, ever looked at sort of strengthening core. Give us, give us an idea of, 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 of sort of things that you can do to improve that sort of strength. When it, when it comes to core stability, it's, it is actually very specific because when people in general, they hear about core strength, they think, okay, abs, they think about your six-pack. You know, um, that's not the case. There's a big difference between stability and strength. And when you work on your core, you can strengthen either strengthening it or you can improve it by improving your stability. Um, when you work on your, your stability, it literally actually, um, how can I put this? It, it provides a better stability for your pelvis. And your, your, your spine actually goes into your pelvis. And if you've got a weak core, everything starts moving around. So if you don't strengthen it, you know, you're going to sit with like back injuries. So when you, when you work on or you go to the gym and you do like sit-ups and stuff, those types of things, you know, that literally is either going to work your hip flexors or it's going to work like the rectus abdominis, which is the six-pack muscle. So that, that's got nothing to do with core. I shouldn't say nothing to do, but, you know, it's not the whole point of core. Uh, core stability is more where you, you contract and you actually maintain that contraction. You maintain the tension in it and you, you're doing like movements and stuff. And throughout the movements, you're actually not releasing the, the core. It's always tight because it always needs to provide that stability to either your upper body or even your lower body. Okay, and, and there's sort of suggestions. I mean, you mentioned Pilates. Is, is that the only way to do it or...? or, or? I mean, give us give us a couple of other other ideas of, of how we can strengthen those core muscles. Um, I'll I'll suggest to do it properly is either to go and join either Pilates class, or you can even go to depending on if you've got injuries and stuff, you can go to a physio or you can go to a buyer. All those oaks will teach you the basic skills of core stability because it's it's not just an easy thing. You know, if you've been active in sport your whole life, you know it might be easier, but you find those oaks that they, if they have to start concentrating on it and actually maintaining that contraction, they can't con- what's it, uh, maintain the contraction. So it is very important to go to like basics, go to a Pilates class. Um, when you start off, have a couple of one-on-one sessions, either with a Pilates instructor or a qualified personal trainer or most biokinesis out there, even physios, like I said. You can go to them, get it checked out, teach them the correct techniques, and then from there on, it's easy. Okay, and then, Andres, with, I mean, you, you talk about it, uh, if, you, if you look at the sort of average, everyday sort of weekend recreational cyclists, guys who work for a living, and, and maybe they get to one or two spinning classes during the week, but then they put in two long rides on the weekend, you, you're talking of, of maybe going to a Pilates class, how, how much should you actually do a week of this sort of core strengthening stuff? Would, would one Pilates class a week be enough, or, or would you need to do more? The best thing about core stability and core strength is you go to that one plot and it teaches you how to engage it. Theoretically, your core should always be engaged. The only time that it needs to be relaxed is when you're either lying down and sleeping or when you're stretching. So when you're walking while running, while cycling, while performing any, any gym type of movement, even walking on the treadmill, you, know, you need to engage your core because the stronger your core, the better stability you have. 
um, the better the integration between upper body and your lower body. I mentioned earlier that uh, the body works as a kinetic chain. <laughs> so you need you, you you literally need that as stability. Okay, fab. And then, Andres, the sort of cycling, uh, just take it to, to a sort of injury perspective now, the, the sort of things that you're seeing in your practice fairly common that, that could be easily avoidable, what's the sort of things that, that you're seeing right now? Um, the most common injuries that I've come across, um, it also just depends on what type of cyclist it is. If it's a mountain biker, you know, you're not a cyclist until you've fallen. So <laughs> they always fall and they hurt either their wrist or they hurt their shoulder, uh, collarbone. So a lot of shoulder injuries. Uh, when it comes to road cycling, it's a lot more repetitive, but it's the same type of motion. So then they get more chronic injuries, like either if they don't have the correct setup or if their technique is just slightly wrong, they sit with either knee injuries or low back injuries, or even if they're too tensed on the bike. And like I mentioned earlier, if their core is not strong, then obviously they're going to grip onto the handlebar much too tight. And then in that case, they're going to tighten your, like your trap muscles, the, the upper back muscles, and your shoulder, and even the neck muscles. They, they're going to start tensioning and spasming up, and then you're going to sit with those type of injuries. And those that are... can even lead to like headaches and stuff. And, and those are obviously preventable. I mean, the, the falls, you know what it happens, uh, those yeah. sort of injuries you, you deal with when they arrive. But, but you talk about the, yeah. the sort of overuse sort of stuff and, and not being set up properly. Those are all easily avoidable, aren't they? No, it's uh, very easy. You know, um, my always my first suggestion is you get a bike, you go to a professional, um, you pay the extra money, get decent bike setup. The the reason you go for a decent bike setup is because they set it up to you specifically, so you utilize the specific muscles that needs to work. They'll even teach you like the the correct stroke technique, and that's why spinning classes are also nice. You know, you're beginning in a spinning class, the spinning instructor will tell you exactly. Um, how to how to do like a perfect stroke. You know, it's not just getting on a bike and pointing your toes down and pedaling, because then you start using your calves more. Then that can also lead to spasms or, shall I say, muscle cramps. So it's it, it's very important. You know, it can prevent lower back pain, neck pains. Um, like I said, when it comes to knee injuries, a lot of folks they sit on the bike and point their knees in. So when your knees are pointed inwards like that, you, you start working the one side, like the inner side of your thighs, you start working that a lot more. So you put a lot more stress on that side. So it stretches the ligaments, it stretches the tendons, and on the opposite side, on the lateral side, uh, on the outside, should I rather say, it, it shortens all the tendons. So when you go into like uh, walking or even running or going up and down stairs, you feel that tension. And over a prolonged period of time, you find that it builds up and then that causes like an injury and it can actually cause damage within in the knee. Yeah, I think that, that's great advice. And, and Andres, if, if folks want to get hold of you, perhaps they want to come see you at your practice, what's the easiest way to get in touch? Well, easiest way, um, like you said, my practice name is Bias for Me. They can just pop on the internet, Google it. Um, they can follow me on Twitter. It's at Andres Bias for Me or even my personal account, Andres Lotter. Um, that's also the easiest. Cool. Andres, what I'll do is I'll pop all of those details on our website as well so folks can just get to cycletalksa.co.za and it'll all be in the show notes for for this episode. Thanks a lot for your time. Really do appreciate it. And we'll definitely catch up again soon. No, it's a pleasure, man. It was really nice being on the show. Keep up the good work.
That's it for another week here on Cycle Talk SA. Before I do go, uh, just to let you know that we have managed to secure an interview with Professor Tim Noakes. So if you have any questions about nutrition and cycling, what you can do, you send them through. Could get them answered for you. All you have to do is go to cycletalk.co.za forward slash ask the prof. Uh, submit your question, and who knows, I could be asking uh, the good professor your question. Once again, thanks for listening, and also thanks for being in touch. Lots of great emails coming through. If you'd like to be in touch, podcast at cycletalksa.co.za. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at CycleTalk, or like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash CycleTalkSA. Lots of motivation on our Facebook page as well. Be sure to like us there. And speaking of liking, if you're enjoying these podcasts, I would love it if you could forward these links on to perhaps your cycling partners. If you belong to a club, uh, pass it on to them as well. It's the only way that we can get word out there that we're doing these podcasts. And also, if you download it or subscribe on iTunes, I would love it. I really do appreciate it. If you could uh, add a review, just uh, tell us how many stars you rate this podcast as, and then just a couple of words uh, on what you think of the podcast. I would really, really appreciate it, and it also helps other people then find this podcast by using things like iTunes. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, I would love you long time. Thank you very, very much. For myself, Brad Brown, we'll chat again same time next week. Cheers.